0: So yeah.
1: in the master's name this evening. It's good to be here. There's something special about being part of a body of believers. Uh, there, it's good to be among friends, but it's more than friends. It's, we have a fellowship together, and it's more than a social gathering. It's a, a time of upbuilding, a time of nur- nourishing one another. And as I consider the body of Christ, I had to wonder... Did I choose the church and join, or was I called and accepted? And I always thought that I chose the church and joined. But the more I thought about the body of Christ and the church, I wonder if I wasn't called and accepted. Uh, What made me come to Virginia? What, What made me go here and there? Did I just, I just got to thinking, maybe I had that backwards. If I chose and joined, then you have the argument that, well, you chose it. You join voluntarily. You can leave under the same conditions, right? You're free to leave if you voluntarily join. If I was called and accepted, leaving looks a little different. If I was called by Christ to be part of the body, then I have a responsibility. Then I have an obligation to do the task that I was called to fulfill. And this evening, I would like to look at the church and its benefits, but more than that, I would like to look at what is my personal responsibility as a member of the church. I want you to think about this with me. What is our responsibility to the church? You know, the church has many members. The church has many functions. The church has many things that it it set out to accomplish. The church, or as the Bible says, the body is one and hath many members. And all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And one of our utmost or our highest responsibilities, in my mind, is that we are faithful. When I think of church membership, I think of faithfulness. It's very important that we be found faithful. And somewhere in the back of my head, I I knew there was a verse that would support what I was wanting to say. Uh, I heard a preacher say, well, you're never supposed to look through the Bible to find a verse to support your opinion. But it wasn't so much as that. I I felt that the Spirit was leading me to a verse that I could not find. And, And I was like... I was doing faithful, I was searching faithful, I was searching these different words and I couldn't find it. Finally, I I found the verse I was looking for, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. And you can turn there if you want, there's just two short verses, but they're they're important and, and yet powerful at the same time. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now, Paul here seems to be making mention of his calling as a minister of Christ. And that, that minister, I, I looked up the, the word minister or, and steward, and it talks about being a caregiver of the mysteries of God. But I don't think that's solely the minister's responsibility. I think as members, we have, we, we're stewards of what God has given into our possession and we um, have an obligation. You might find it interesting that minister here gives the idea of an under rower. An under rower was someone that sat in the belly of the ship rowing. So he was making the ship move forward and quietly doing his job out of sight, out of mind and making the things move forward. But verse 2 is the one I would like to focus on. It says not only that it's a, it would be nice if the person was faithful, it said it is required that a steward be found faithful. And I think it's required that a church member be found faithful. So as a member of the body of Christ, faithfulness is required. Are you faithful in the area that you have been placed? By God, might I add. Are you faithful, faithfully fulfilling the role doing your part to move the body forward without the praise of men, without recognition, and I put without or prov- provocation, but then the Bible says, provoke one another to love and good works. So maybe there's a little provoking going on. Um, so maybe you're getting prodded on. And Hebrews ten twenty four says that. Provoke one another to love and to good works. You may be on standby. Have you ever thought about that? We're not all called to be doing constantly. Sometimes we're called to be waiting, and sometimes that's the hardest time to be faithful. Uh, I can more easily imagine things in my mind if I think of an illustration. And the illustration I was thinking of when I was thinking of this is a tool bag. So you have a tool bag and it has various tools in it. A saw, a level, a square, a measuring tape, a chalk line, hammer, pencil. And I thought, if everyone was a hammer, that won't work so well, would it? <laughs> we're getting the job done, we're pounding away. But then sometimes that hammer misses the nail. Sometimes it drives a nail in where it shouldn't. And when you're pulling the nail out, uh, if everyone was a hammer, a lot of times hammers can do a lot of damage as well if they're misguided. So we're not all called to be hammers but there's measuring tapes, there's, there's squaring up things, there's making sure the building's level. Maybe you're a pencil. And all you do is every now and again, you make a little line or a little X and you, the rest of the time, you sit on top of a guy's ear, just waiting <laughs> or in his mouth. You know. <laughs> there was one time I couldn't find my pencil anywhere until I started hollering at the guys and it fell out of my mouth. And you know, maybe you're just, it feels like you're sitting around, and, and, but are you waiting, and are you ready for the task at hand when you are called? We must be faithful when people who are counting on us to be available when the time comes to step up and to fulfill that role. Maybe you've questioned your usefulness, or maybe you thought, am I really useful at all? What, what am I doing? And, and there's often things going on in our life that are preparing us for the role that God has for us. And sometimes it's going out and, and seeing if this is the role that God has called me to, whether it's song leading or teaching Sunday school. I, I know people shy away from those things, but if you've never tried, how do you know if you're able to? There are some people that never taught Sunday school and say, well, I, I can't teach Sunday school. Well. If you've been asked to try, see, sometimes God gives us more gifts when we're willing to exercise the ones that we may not think we have. I had a long flight one evening, and if you ever slept on a plane, you know that there's not a lot of room to stretch out. It's kind of cramped in a plane, and so when when you fall asleep, I was in quite a weird position, but my body thought it was comfortable, and I was soon fast asleep, and I was sleeping there in the plane, and before I knew it, I was at my destination and I had fell in, fallen so fast asleep that people were already onboarding the airplane when I was, I was still quite groggy and they're like, you know, you need to get going. And I went to jump up and my legs were both fast asleep and they were not found faithful. <laughs> uh, that, you know, there's, there's times... When you need things, and, and then they're not there. It's, it's the same way in the body of Christ. We need to be found faithful. We need to be there when we're needed. And we're, each of us are needed, but we have different roles within the body. Proverbs 25, 19. Uh, Brother Kendrick read this verse this morning and I found it interesting. It says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. <laughs> That's was, that was pretty interesting. Faith, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. That's not what any one of us want to be as members of Christ's body. Everyone is needed, no matter how small the task, no matter how insignificant. We've been called into the body of Christ to fulfill a role. 1 Corinthians 12, if you'd turn there with me, talks about diversity of gifts. 1 Corinthians twelve four. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diverse differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. There we have the Trinity, and we have differences within our churches, and diversity, and differences of operation. But the manifestation of His Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one in the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. So the spirit gives us gifts. He gives us things that make his body work. And I'm a firm believer that God has called you into this church because you were needed and because God knew what we we're facing back here in McDowell and, and the type of group that needed to get together to proclaim his word. But that requires us being faithful. Then skipping down a couple verses, starting at verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body, and the eye cannot stand to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the foot, hand, head to the feet. I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Verse 25 kind of leads to my next point. It is our responsibility in the church to care for one another. But back to this faithful thing. We, need, we are needed when we are faithful. But I, I got to thinking about this. Are we as needed if we're unfaithful? So The aspect is, we're needed in our faithful state. But if we start being unfaithful, if we start harboring sin or dwelling in sin, we then become more of a liability. And the Bible talks about a little leaven leavening the whole lump. And Romans 16 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them, Um, because there's repercussions from being around an unfaithful member. Uh, there's repercussions about around being around someone that's always not wanting to do their part. And so as a faithful member, we're, we're an asset. But when we're unfaithful, we're actually a liability. And then we just read this uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.14 about two Sunday school lessons ago. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed and so if we are unfaithful we're going against the very fabric of what god had chose to make up the church and it we become carnal is what really happens first corinthians 3 1 talks about carnality and it says i brethren cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal even on as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye now able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And I had to think about this thing of carnality. You know, carnality within the brotherhood, if not addressed, if not recognized, if not eradicated, will destroy the church. If we have carnality within our church, there's going to be divisions, there's going to be strife, there's going to be envy, there's going to be offenses, and these can all be tracked back to carnality, to a a temporal view view of this world. Because we're here as a body of Christ, and we're not looking— temporal things are important, but that's not our main focus. We're focused on a heavenly vision. And so when our focus is on God, when our focus is unified— these temporal things, these carnal things, are a lot less significant. Carnality, well, moving, yeah. I had to think, when I, when I thought about carnality, I thought of Brother Nathan Hurst's message Sunday night. And if, if we would follow his message, there would not be carnality within the church. If we address the flesh each and every day and, and put it to death, there would be no carnality within our church. So we have this responsibility to care for one another, and this goes along with faithfulness. I want to know that you got my back, and I got your back. If I'm in need, if I stumble, if I'm under attack, you know, I thought about these uh, Cape Buffalo and the weaker ones being in the middle, and they're all facing out, and they're protecting the weaker in the flock, and they're, they're working together and they're unified and they're faithful. And if one lacks faithfulness, if one of those um, buffaloes breaks away from the herd or so it turns us back, that's when the lion has a chance to get in. But if we're working together, if we're caring for one another, there's, there's not breaks in our defenses. There's not things where the enemy can get in and get us. You know, you hate to be fighting on the front lines and taking the enemy on head-on only to be stabbed in the back, right? That's a bad feeling. You're, you're here fighting and, and you, you think the enemy is in front of you and then someone stabs you in the back. That's not something that, you know, us as church members should do and, and we won't do if we don't have carnality in our lives. 1 Corinthians ten twenty one says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devil, devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. This evening, I wanted to focus especially on spiritual care for one another. So, sometimes that's the hardest part, spiritual care. We. Y'all do amazing at physical care. I've, I've been firsthand recep, uh, recipient of an abundance of physical care. And, and also recipient of spiritual care. But spiritual care is, has far longer reaching benefits. And, and they go together. The mission of the church, well, take that back. To be a mission church, which I think all churches should be mission churches, it takes a tremendous amount of care to maintain sound doctrine. And, and that, was, that was brought up. There, as our church grows, as our church has more and more diversity, it's going to be harder and harder to maintain sound doctrine um, and maintain as much diversity as we have, if that makes any sense. Most of the time, caring for others involves denying myself. Are there things that I don't do? Not because I can't do it, and it's not allowed, but because it does not edify my brother and sister. You know, there's things that I choose not to do, not because I think they're wrong necessarily, but they're not edifying someone else. Is that our attitude, or we say, well, they need to get over why they're offended. And if you're easily offended, I'll say, it's probably best to get over being easily offended. Um, But at the same time, Paul was very adamant that he did not want to offend one of his brothers and sisters in the church. He wanted to do what it took to maintain harmony within the church. In verse 24, it says, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. And in the Bible I was reading, wealth was put in italics. And so when I see those little italics, it, it means to me that it was worth, like added for our benefit so it makes more sense to us. And it didn't help in this instance, because I was like, I don't think it's talking about money here. I don't think that we're all supposed to be looking out that someone else gets rich. And so I looked it up in the New King James Version, and it words it like this, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being, and that makes a lot more sense to me. We're we're to be looking out for one another's well-being, and that's in a spiritual sense. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that many may be saved. Isn't that why we're called? That many may be saved. The third and final thing I'd like to look at is my responsibility to be unified with the church. Now, sometimes I don't understand all of David's writings or what he found glorious. And this was one of those instances, uh, Psalm 133. And the first verse I understand quite well. And I didn't break down the rest, but it's a short psalm, so I thought I'd just read it. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mounts of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. But the first verse is the one I wanted to to dwell on. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And God takes great pleasure in that. God takes great pleasure in seeing a church that's unified, that's working together, that loves one another. The tremendous diversity within our churches in general has not aided in our unity. I I looked at the Amish, and they seem very unified in, in some regard, but it doesn't mean that they're unified on the inside. Uh, but we have tremendous diversity within our churches, whether it's the, the wealth gap, whether it's um, just, I, I thought of a many number of things. And I don't know that it's overall aided in our unity. But when you think of unity, it has to be a decision that we make in, in ourselves. We have to decide to be unified. Well, what brings unity? And we talked about this in, in a men's group. Number 1 having a common goal. Right? When we have a common goal, when we have a common vision and we're we're pressing towards that vision, that's what brings unity. Ephesians 4:1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And and that gave me the idea that I was called more than I was chosen, or more than I chose with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering for bearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. There is a special bond we share, a common practice, a common faith, a common love, a common vision. And we can have sweet communion because we love God, because we have peace with Him, because we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, because we love our neighbors and want to show them Christ's love. And to have a common set of standards helps to aid us in staying unified in practice and making practical applications to the principles that we find in scripture. 1 Corinthians nine: God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. And I think there needs to be more of that in our churches. If we get up against uh, something that's controversial uh, and, and it's a scriptural practice that needs to be upheld, I think we as a church need to get together and we need to decide in a unified way how we're gonna practice that. And, and I think in a large part we have But it's starting to be, and I said this in tent meetings, I think I got a little flack for it, but this whole thing of agreeing to disagree, and sometimes that gets taken too far. But when it's biblical truth, how does agreeing to disagree make it into this verse here, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment? When it's talking about spiritual truths, that's where we need to end up. We need to be together in the same mind and the same judgment. To remain unified, there needs to be submission to the will of God, submission to one another, humility, long-suffering, and a certain amount of forbearance because we all have room to grow. Far too often, we take for granted what we have until it gets taken away. And when I think about our church here, there's many that desire to have what we have. But it can be taken away, and it can be taken away if we allow it to be taken away, if we don't do our part If each of us don't remain faithful, then it will be taken away from us. So we have a responsibility to remain faithful. And if we are faithful, if we care for one another, and we serve God in unity, the benefits are out of this world. Let's stand for a word of prayer. God, I just want to thank you for this body of believers. Thank you for each one of them. Thank you for the roles they play and and the asset they are to our church and our community here. I pray that we could remain faithful to you, dear God, till you call us home to fulfill the role that you've placed in our life and, and to give us wisdom to, to find what you would have us to do. I pray for the remainder of the service. I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that we can have remission of sins and that we can um, be spotless and blameless before you because of the blood of Jesus. I just pray you'd guide us as we go from here. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated.